Hey, Jesse here. Are you looking for a little extra focus in your day? Go to extrafocus.com and sign up for my free weekly newsletter. It's a lot like this podcast, but in written form and delivered directly to your inbox once a week so you can read it at your own pace. I always keep it short so it's a quick read to help inspire your week with ADHD strategies and more. And speaking of strategies, when you sign up, you'll also get access to my ADHD strategy guide, the five pillars of ADHD. And if you want to take it to the next level, you can sign up for the paid version of the newsletter. It's like giving me a high five, uh, but with your wallet. Seriously, thank you for the support. It helps keep the lights on and allows me to continue to do this important work. Again, just go to extrafocus.com to sign up today. From that point on, then I had, uh, you know, one of the beautiful powers of ADHD. I know a lot of us just love to learn new things. Mm -hmm. And so I could really just devour a bunch of information about ADHD. And at that point go, wow, 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 wow. All of these <laughs> things are exactly who I am. Hey, my name is Jesse J. Anderson, host of the ADHD Nerds podcast, the show where we talk about living with ADHD and have some fun along the way. This is episode 13, and today I'm talking with Micah Sargent. Micah is a podcaster, journalist, tech enthusiast, and dog enthusiast. You may know him from the Twit Network, where he hosts several podcasts, including iOS Today, Tech News Weekly, Hands on Mac, and The Tech Guy with Leo Laporte. Or maybe you listen to another one of his podcasts. In true ADHD fashion, he hosts more podcasts than I can count. Micah is definitely a fellow ADHD nerd, and today we're going to talk about his story with ADHD and how that has factored into his passion for all things tech. But first, I want to thank our sponsor, Freedom. Freedom is the app and website blocker used by over 2 million people to reclaim focus and productivity. Control those distractions and focus on what matters. Freedom works on Mac, Windows, iOS, Android, and Chrome. You can just schedule your focus time to block distracting websites and apps and get stuff done. Just go to ADHDnerds.com freedom to start your free trial and use freedom to stay focused on what matters most. Hey, Micah, it is great to have you here today. How's it going? It is going well. I'm so excited to finally uh, come on the show. I, I remember whenever you were talking about launching it, and uh, I was pumped to see that there was going to be a show like this uh, out there. That's specifically it's it's ADHD and nerds combined. It's, it's a great it's a great concept. <laughs> Absolutely awesome. Well, I'd love to start with uh, your story. Like how. How did you first find out or, you know, think you might have ADHD? What did that look like? Yeah. So I was in college and I, I grew up very religious, right? And one of the, the things with uh, the religion that I grew up with, uh, sort of non-denominal Christian, but sort of taking many of the most extreme aspects of the other denominations of Christianity and sort of grouping them into one thing, um, was that mental health was not a real thing. M mental health issues were not a real thing. And if you were ever experiencing anything like that, uh, depression, anxiety, that essentially that was just the devil. And so if you prayed and you, you know, you asked God for help, then that would be uh, all you needed to do. So growing up that way, I obviously believed that for a long time. Uh, and it wasn't until I went to college that I had the sort of space and time uh, to truly sort of solidify my own beliefs surrounding that. And uh, right. I, I was struggling with what I came to find out was depression um, and went to a doctor and, you know, talked to them and, and got all that figured out. Uh, and then later on, I uh, 
got a new doctor and to this day, I just love this woman. She was fantastic. And, um, Dr. Wong, shout out to Dr. Wong. Um, <laughs> I had talked to her about some of the concerns that I was having in, uh, in college and sort of in a very light way, because I was listening to a podcast, uh, um, <laughs> with one of my now dear friends and he was on the podcast and he was talking about how, uh, as an adult, he was diagnosed with ADHD. And it came about because his two daughters, who uh, are both on the autism spectrum, um, the his two daughters had um, ASD and ADHD, and he had this realization uh, in going through the process for them that he may have it as well. He went to see a psychiatrist and uh, discovered that he had it. Right. And hearing him talk about how in school... He never struggled and, you know, elementary, middle school, he never struggled um, and how he was an A student and didn't exhibit any of these sort of stereotypical signs of ADHD, then that uh, kind of shielded him from it. And so I thought, the, there's so many of these things that, that uh, he's talking about and so many of these things that I've experienced that don't have an explanation that I've never mm -hmm. been able to understand about myself and what he's saying really aligns with what I'm experiencing. So I went to uh, my doctor and said that, and she referred me to a neuropsychologist, which, as you might imagine, combines neurology with psych psychiatry. Wait, was he in? He was a neuropsychologist. Yeah, not a neuropsychiatrist. So uh, psychology and neurology together. And uh, he brought me in, or I, you know, I went to him, and essentially the, the process started where it was kind of talk therapy. And so he mm -hmm. was just asking me about myself and I talked about how in school I, you know, wasn't a student that talked too much. And, you know, my teachers always had nice things, especially in elementary school to say that they'd write on the little grade card or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, and I was in the gifted program in middle school um, and high school still did a pretty good job, but started to struggle when it came to kind of extracurriculars in particular, sort of stuff that existed outside of classes. I could do just fine in classes, but um, I was in speech and debate, for example, and I mm. had a heck of a time uh, going to uh, debate tournaments. Once I got there and did it, I was fine and had a lot of fun, but it was just like all the preparation involved and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> right, and yeah. looking back on that, you know, it's like, <clears throat> oh man, why... Why did I have such trouble with that? And uh, why does it feel like I can't kind of commit to things like I want to? And so then um, he had me do a series of kind of written tests that were just little evaluations. So I think there was an English portion and a, a stuff to do with math and problem solving and all that kind of stuff. Um, and then the final process for this was to, after he got some history as well from uh, my family, was to do a, an EEG, an electroencephalogram. And uh, for folks who don't know, uh, basically they are looking at the electrical impulses, electrical signals in your brain. And so you get this kind of shower cap put on your head and mm -hmm. the, the shower cap has these holes in them all over. So if you've ever done a home hair dye, uh, you may remember uh, pulling your hairs out. I've never done it, but I helped my mom with them in the past. So I can <laughs> remember doing that. You pull the hairs out through the little holes. In mm -hmm. this case though, um, they put these little probes into each of the holes and they put this uh, gel 
all over the probes as well. That's kind of, it's, it's gel mixed with bits of metal so that it does a great contact with your scalp. And mm -hmm. so it's, it's not painful, but it's a little uncomfortable, but I uh, straps that to my head. And then this was the weirdest thing. I sat in this room that was kind of like a no stimulation room was the purpose of it. And so it's a, I think there was pretty dim. There was a screen in front of me and he said, stare at the screen uh, for the next, and I don't how, know how long it was. I think it was like 15 minutes, but it felt like an hour with nothing <laughs> yeah. on it. I just want you to stare at the screen for the next oh 15 gosh. minutes. So I just sat there staring at the screen going, oh my gosh. Blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then after 15 minutes, they put something on the screen and it was probably reminiscent of a wallpaper or one of those yeah. like iTunes visualizations. Um, and then the whole time they're running the EEG. So I left uh, after that appointment and he said, you know, whenever we call you back, then we'll have uh, the answer. He and a, a team of neurologists looked at my scans um, and I came back in and he uh, sat me down and he pulls up this sort of visualization of a brain and shows how uh, the, the, the different colors, um, it was like from cool to to warm, so blues to reds, and reds were high activity portions of the brain, and blue were low activity portions of the brain. Mm -hmm. And he's like, in a neurotypical brain, you're going to see either all blue or, or mostly blue or mostly red. Basically, there's a balance that exists in the entire brain of the brain activity. And he says, with yours, and he shows me that this part of my brain was blue, this part of my brain was red. What's happening is that you have uh, sort of different activations in different parts of your brain, and that's what's causing you know, these, these issues for you. Um, hmm. and so then he went on to explain, you know, the different methods that one can use to have help and, uh, talked about how stimulant medication, essentially what it's doing, what they believe it helps to do is it excites the part of the brain, um, to, to, that's like low energy to an extent that it helps to kind of, it makes your brain sort of balance out. Uh, hmm. so it kind of stops that one part one portion of the brain that's that's red uh, from being that, and it kind of balances everything out. Um, and that was very helpful to me. Yeah, because yeah, yeah I'm, I'm a I'm a huge nerd. First of all, love to learn new <laughs> things, and uh -huh. very much into the science of of how any of this works and the understanding of how any of it works. But there was an extra layer to this, kind of actually for me, a, a few extra layers to this. I this was while I was in college, and I lived in a college town. And I knew a number of people uh, who regularly took stimulant medication who were not diagnosed with ADHD mm. and took it recreationally. And I also, as a person of color, as a black man, um, knew that there would be stigma associated with that. And so I wanted to have what I felt for me was definitive proof right. so that it was a situation where I could say, I, I, you know, I went to a neuropsych, I got these brain scans even, I've gone through the whole mm -hmm. process, this is as real as it gets for me. And so that was a very helpful uh, thing where there was, I was worried, I kind of was preparing for my brain to be guilting me if I didn't go through that whole process. Yeah. Um, just yeah, because can... of the way that I am, yeah. Yeah, I can totally understand that. I feel like a lot of times people will, you know, read 
some of my content or some other content about ADHD and then have that first like, oh man, is this me? And then sort of look into it more. And then a lot of time they'll ask me like, what's the point of getting diagnosed? Is it just to get meds? And like, yeah, meds can really help. I know a lot of people where meds like change their life. Uh, mm -hmm. For me, I'm I'm currently not taking meds, but I know I know people where it's been like super effective for them. Mm -hmm. And so, like, yeah, you can't get meds without. It. I mean, well, I guess except for your college town. <laughs> if you do it in yeah, in yeah. not great ways. Yeah, you can't legally get there you get go. the meds without that diagnosis. Um, but the other thing, kind of what you're referring to, is like having that evidence of like. No, no, this is real because mm -hmm. otherwise my brain is going to want to say like, no, you're actually just lazy. Like it's going to go yes. back to those messages I heard as a kid of like, yes. no, you're actually just lazy. You're actually, you know, whatever, whatever those negative labels were and just sort of like tear myself down. Mm -hmm. So for me, I didn't, I didn't get go the brain, brain scan way. I mean, I kind of, now I'm like, man, that sounds fascinating. I, I mean, other than the 15 minute room, like that yeah. sounds like torture. <laughs> <That was> torture. <laughs> And I can just sort of like imagine like what the brain must be doing for that. Like 15 minutes, just staring. Like I, I can, I feel panicky just like thinking about yeah. it. <laughs> yeah. Thinking about a hundred things is what I'm sure I was doing. I don't, yeah. I don't quite remember just sort of the discomfort of it. And, um, you know, I, the, the kind of shocking thing at the time was the, the neuropsych was not covered by my insurance and it was enough for me to want to do that. What I at the time felt was the right way for me to pay out of pocket for that whole process. And I don't regret that to this day that, that, you know, I still went and did that because it gave me an it gave me enough of a bridge between who I am now and the acceptance that I have of, mm. of the things that I deal with uh, and the person that I was at that point and not having that acceptance. I could sort of rely on that more physical representation of, no, this is me when I needed it as I sort of bridged the gap and learned more about it. Because from that point on, then I had, uh, you know, one of the beautiful powers of ADHD. I know a lot of us just love to learn new things. Mm -hmm. And so I could really just devour a bunch of information about ADHD. And at that point go, wow, 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 wow. All of these <laughs> things are exactly who I am. And <laughs> right. Right. Just go, okay, this suddenly makes so much sense. And then I don't know if you've had this experience, but we um, sort of, when we look at things from an evolutionary perspective, and I mean, so we as humans in the way that we live now is such a very small portion of the larger extent of how humanity has lived. And so this whole new world that we have with uh, artificial lighting and microphones and everything is mm -hmm. just a, a blip on the radar of what humans are and have been. And so when we look back at our hunter-gatherer past, there's ongoing sort of an ongoing sort of belief that um, among the tribes, the folks who were the ADHD uh, folks were often the ones that were the the hunter-gatherer types, but who were also like scouts. Uh, they were the curious ones who would go out um, and in some cases be a little bit away from uh, other, other members of the tribe to make sure that the next area that they were going to was safe to eat. And so there's that sort of, you know, there's that joke about squirrel, but yeah. it is sort of evolutionary evolutionarily built into us to have that nature of always being aware and where ADHD uh, in that sense was kind of an extra bit of, of um, 
of the, of the senses that we had. It was it was an addition to the senses, and so uh, all of that's to say, a lot of it is genetic. Um, and given that a lot of it is genetic, I don't know if you've had this experience, but I've talked to other people with ADHD who then look back at their family and go, "My brother," because <laughs> I've got a few members of my not all of my family, but there are a few members of my family who I'm like. These things that you're struggling with, I know for a fact it's ADHD and, mm. you know, encouraging them to, to get the, um, whatever it, whatever it takes to, to sort of take that next step. And also being able to define things and help them understand kind of the, uh, aspects of, of the way that we respond to things or don't respond to things is helpful. Right. Yeah. I had the experience of, I think a lot of the symptoms of ADHD were like, like growing up, I looked at those and I knew I was like, well, there's something weird about me. Like there's these things I could tell that were different, but I was like, well, my dad does that though. And my brother does that though. So this is just like one of those like Anderson quirks, oh, uh, yeah. like family quirks where we just sort of act these, you know, think about things in a certain way. And yeah, so I had the same experience. Like I got diagnosed and then it was like, pretty immediately I was like oh so clearly my brother and my dad have this and my sister probably has this and actually when I think about it my mom probably has this <laughs> and so like my parents you know they're from a different generation they're yes. they're not interested in being diagnosed or anything but to me it's it yeah it's pretty clear like you said it's genetic and my pretty much entire family has it and we were uh just recently, we were talking to uh, my grandfather, who he's, you know, he's, he's, he's pretty old uh, these days, but we were explaining to him how I, I had been diagnosed with ADHD and sort of telling him a little bit about it. And he was, he was like, he emailed us back and said, well, I looked into this more. And I guess this is definitely something I've had because this was like, you know, explaining my entire wow. like 80 years wow. or whatever and had no idea. So yeah, so I had it. Yeah, definitely coming kind of both sides of my family. I think it just kind of went hidden because of that. It just it was just like, well, these, this is how we all are. And mm -hmm. so we, it didn't seem like something worth uh, looking into, which is a bummer because I sure wish I had known earlier than yeah. you know, 36 years for me. <laughs> Absolutely. And see, that was the thing uh, too, the, the neuropsych and I sort of roll my eyes at this part a little bit because, well, first of all, I'm Midwestern. And so anytime someone <laughs> says something nice, I'm like, oh, no, stop. But the the specific diagnosis that he gave, because he said, I have had to give this specific kind of diagnosis before, was what he called high IQ ADHD. And it's mm. essentially a way to understand why when you when you ask yourself or when someone else asks you, well, how come you didn't, how come they didn't catch it when you were a kid? How come uh, it never showed up then? Why is it only showing up now? Mm -hmm. And he said he likes to use that terminology because there are people whose intelligence quotient is able to do so much of masking of the symptoms and where uh, a, a, a teacher might not catch it. And I honestly, so I, I grew up in Missouri and I had, it wasn't until much later that I had the realization um, of the aspect that I think race played in uh, that not being caught because I was, mm -hmm. you know, I, I would get my work. I remember uh, KJ Miller talking about it a little bit, like the, doing the workbook uh, and being done with it in no time. And <laughs> yeah. I would you know, get all my work done and, and uh, do just fine. And yet it wasn't until sixth grade that one of my teachers who um, my 
lived across the street from my great grandparents, so we knew her personally a little bit more, and so she paid mm -hmm. more attention. I think it wasn't until then that uh, she was like, "Have you been um, evaluated for the what we called the gifted program?" And uh, I had not. And she's like, mm -hmm. I'm sorry, we should have done that a lot sooner. And it's like, mm -hmm. yeah, maybe you should have. That would have been great to, to do that. <laughs> but I was I was glad to be a part of it in middle school. And I think that it did. It was something that I, I think that ADHD could have started to rear its head in middle school mm -hmm. had I not had uh, that gifted program to uh, sort of fill in where I was feeling sort of bored with things. Um, right, right. So yeah, I was glad for that. But it's, you know, going back to looking around and seeing all of your family and, and having that realization. But m more importantly, you know, I want to, them to know about it earlier and know about it sooner so that they don't have that experience where it happens later and later and later in life. And you go, suddenly I can not, I don't think any of us ever truly stop blaming ourselves to an extent. <laughs> it, it, it exists yeah. even in a minuscule amount, but releasing a lot of that guilt um, and at least contextualizing our behavior can be so helpful and going, I can give myself room to breathe now where before I thought it was just a moral failing. Yeah, it's so funny. I mean, I mean, not funny. It's so tragic almost. Like I hear that story time and time again, the like, I was called gifted as a child. And so I made it into the gifted program. And then at some point I failed out of the gifted program or like whatever happened, like it's, it, it almost makes that, that self-blame even worse because it feels like, well, now they're telling me like, I'm not just like, I shouldn't just be doing normal. I should be doing above normal. Yeah. I'm like gifted. So it's almost like the bar gets raised even more. And so when you, you know, for reasons you don't understand, you can't find motivation to do certain things or you can't complete tasks that you get, you know, so far into and all those sort of things that come up in school when you have ADHD, it makes it like that much worse. And there's nowhere you're looking around for like something like what is there something around here that is the cause of this? I guess it's just me because everyone else is saying that it's just me and it's just <sighs> my lack of willpower or whatever it is. And so it's like it becomes... Yeah, it's so tough because you that that gift, you know, being told you're gifted just sort of becomes like a curse. And mm -hmm. you just hear that word and it's like, oh, yeah, you know, want to roll your eyes like, yeah, gifted, but I can't, you know, I can't finish this paper or whatever. Yeah, it is. yeah it's brutal. Then you're asking yourself, exactly like you said, what I thought I was gifted. I thought that, you know, everyone is telling me all this stuff and yet I'm I'm struggling to do that. And that's what uh, college was, especially for me, mm -hmm. um, because up until that point, uh, everything was pretty structured. And um, for the most part, I, I didn't have those issues when it came to school. I, I think I went from being like a straight A student up to like freshman and sophomore year of high school and then junior and senior year. Uh, then, you know, C's, B's and A's was what I ended up uh, with because that's where it all started to rear its head. It was just all mm. too much at that point. Yeah. And up to that point, I could, you know, just read something right before a test and then go in and take the test and it was not an issue. <laughs> that mm -hmm. point, then it was like, oh, studying? What? Oh, this is hard. And I mean, I can even remember freshman year of college. Um, I hope my professor from uh, freshman year of college never listens to this. Uh, there was, a, there was a, a test that we had to do. And part of it was like, we had read, the, read a book and you had to write an essay about 
who knows what it was like a comparison between uh the values of quakers and um what it was like living in a whaling village at that time or something and i remember it was it was like right before I was supposed to write this essay, um, I had just finished uh, reading the book and I went in and, and did the the test and did the essay. And um, my professor was like, uh, he emailed me as he did with everybody with all the results. And he's like, um, you're a really good writer. And uh, that's uh, not easy to I can't remember exactly what he said, but it was something really nice. And it was like, I wanted him to not say that because it was further reinforcing this behavior of like, mm. I can just do something right before it, you know, it's time to go <laughs> and it's fine. Yeah. I had done that so mm. much, but at some point then that all did catch up to me and right. it, I, I couldn't do that anymore. I couldn't just uh, wait till the last minute. And so that's, yeah, that's when the struggle came in. That's when I had that realization of like, I'm doing these inhuman things of of putting together a whole video presentation, uh, you know, two hours before it's time to go and present it in the class. And it's going fine in terms of grades, but it's not going fine in terms of the impact it's having on me. I got to figure out what the heck is, is up. Yeah, it's like you can almost you can only use like stress to motivate you. <laughs> yeah. It's like a, yeah. you got you have all the you have plenty of time to prepare for it, but then you don't do anything and then it's like oh only once it's like there's no way to do this without I incredible stress, then I can like jump into action and I mean the the problem is like you said like I can do that and it the result is pretty good. It's, yes. <laughs> yes. Like and it's kind of what you were referring to earlier like the uh hunter, you know, potential hunter history of ADHD where like pretty much everyone I know with ADHD is pretty good in a crisis. Like we mm -hmm. kind of like thrive in that, like, oh, there's a panic sort of environment. I'm going to do better than most people in that sort of situation. Absolutely. And kind of like the reverse, uh, I think like when, I think when I have gotten started on like a project early, like I have a long runway, I feel like once I get to the point where I can see the finish line, all my motivation like goes yes! away <laughs> same and so same. there's there's almost like a bit of like subconscious like strategy of like well if i do it last minute there's no time for me to even recognize that there's a finish line because i'm just like in panic mode so i'm just like <laughs> rushing to, yeah rushing to get it done and so that's yeah i feel like there's like these tricks we learn uh to make stuff happen but the there's a big cost There's to a it. Cost, that, yeah. That, yeah, that's hard to uh, recognize when you're just like, I'm just trying to do anything that can be successful right now. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. And then later you're like, okay, well, how can I do it without jumping into a panic every single time? Yeah. <laughs> and as that's, it's, I was a journalist, um, like a, I don't know ever what, whatever to call them because uh, now I'm a consumer tech journalist, but at the time I was a quote unquote, general journalist. Uh, we covered all sorts of things and the breaking stories and all that kind of thing did super well on. Uh, but when it came to these like longer term reporting things, it was just mm -hmm. such a slog. And so, yeah, you, you know, something happens around the world and we're like in the moment getting, getting it figured out. All of that went super well. Um, and that was just, again, at, this was while I was in college that I was doing um, journalism and, and news anchoring. And the news anchoring part where someone would write, uh, someone else was the writer, they would write the script and then I would stand in front of the camera and just present it. And it would be the, you know, the first time that I read that script. And that was, of course, it had that bit of urgency to it. So that felt mm. really uh, exciting and kept me engaged. Um, versus the the longer reporting stories 
where it's like, that I identify is not a job for me <laughs> or <laughs> someone else because I just right. couldn't, I couldn't do it. I would just wait and then try to do it then. And uh, yeah, with personal projects or uh, other things like that, I think that you can, I could still make it to where it's what I want it to be. But when it came to those kinds of projects, there was, there would be a clear difference between if you had taken the time to do all of these things at different times. So yeah, uh, it's, and it's still, you know, to this day, um, when it's small things, I will find myself waiting until, uh, I, I feel that stress to get them done versus, right, right. you know, these bigger projects where I've had that realization. It's like, you can't do that anymore. Right. Right. Yeah. I'd love to. So you're real big in kind of the tech podcasting world and kind of all of that. I'd love to maybe transition and talk a little bit about that. Like how has ADHD sort of affected that? I think, mm -hmm. I mean, part of the reason I called the podcast ADHD nerds is because I find so many people with ADHD are kind of drawn to nerdy things. Yes. And that that is different for different people where their nerddom goes. Um, and yours, you know, seems to be kind of in the tech world, which is similar to me. Uh, you know, you're on the Twit Network. And that was like where I f very first, you know, I followed Leo Laporte way back yeah. when he was on uh, Tech TV, you know, the original G4 and all that sort of stuff happening and the original Twit. So I've been sort of obsessed with the tech world for a long time. And it's cool seeing you a part of that now. Yeah. So what how has ADHD sort of affected all that world for you? Yeah, I think um, I think the reason that I got into technology in the first place and found an interest there is because of how much everything is changing and how much you can learn. And I think in particular, how much it results in sort of a physical manifestation of your of one's interest. Um, you know, people may be super into history and I guess if you are able to afford to travel to the different locations where historically these things have happened, then that is where it can be a physical manifestation of that interest. Mm -hmm. um, but a lot of a lot of stuff kind of exists in in non corporeal space, and so with this for me, this interest was um, I can have a computer in front of me or whatever it happens to be, and not only can I make things with it, but I can also fix uh, if something's broken, I can fix it. Uh, ever since I was even a little kid, I loved um, fixing and and uh, creating and building and um, all sorts of stuff. Uh, my grandparents were, they'd buy houses and flip them. And so I learned a lot of construction mm. and woodworking mm. and all sorts of that kind of stuff too. Uh, and still to this day, it's one of my favorite non-tech things to do. But what I'm saying is the variation of of tech and the way that it's always changing and honestly the way that it's always breaking is interesting <laughs> to me too because i do enjoy um tackling a problem that someone brings to me and they you know they're saying uh my phone is not doing this and now i get to say okay when you say it's not doing this what does that mean they explain more uh and then we dig into all of these different troubleshooting things and it's not as and let me be clear here. If you are a mathematician, you're going to groan at what I'm about to say, but let me get through it. It's not as simple as math. And what I, what I say when I mean that, <laughs> or what I mean when I say that is that with math, almost always, uh, maybe I should say it's not as logical as math because with math, one plus one always equals two. Mm, but mm. sometimes when you do this troubleshooting step, it results in this. Sometimes it results in that. And sometimes it can just be, wow, we really did just need to turn it off and on again. But there's so many different things and learning how these things go wrong, looking for trends, um, seeing how 
a bunch of people who get a new thing are using it and uh, what the common issues are that they experience. All of that is just so fascinating to me. And then you get to like pair that with um, seeing how things change over time and uh, being able to be there at the, you know, the early adopters of the, of this new technology. And I mean, every aspect of that is just so exciting. And, and so whether it's coding or, uh, you know, I originally went to school to be a graphic designer um, and advertiser. It was a special program um, at the university that I went to called Strategic Communication. And it was specifically mm-hmm. tailored to folks who wanted to go into PR or go work at an ad agency. Um, and I always said I wanted to be Don Draper without the womanizing and alcoholism was kind of <laughs> what I had originally uh, planned on doing. Right. Uh, but it was then that I got into journalism because I realized that I could help people more that way. And that for me is actually a really rewarding aspect of what I do. And I find that if another person is involved, then it also helps to kind of soothe the part of my ADHD that's a little bit, um, uh, you know, a bit of a struggle, (laughs) I guess. Uh, Mm Because it's like the angel that is ADHD and the devil that is ADHD. (laughs) And being able to help another person in doing something kind of makes the devil be quiet. (laughs) Right. Yeah, I think you really hit on a couple of things that are really key for why so many of us like lean into and really love uh, tech. Like one, as you said earlier, like so many of us, we love to learn. People with ADHD often love to learn. And with tech, there's always new stuff to learn. And like, even if, even if technology wasn't constantly pushing forward, there's just so much that exists. Cause like yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a developer, so I'm in that world. And there's so many languages that I have no idea how they work at all. Like I could spend without anything new happening, I could just spend like hundreds of years trying to learn all the stuff that currently exists. Yeah. But there is new stuff coming every day. So that makes it even more exciting. There's always new things coming out. And so, yeah, there's that that love of learning. There's just sort of like an infinite well of knowledge that continues to grow. Uh, and the second thing, I think people with ADHD often love to solve uh, problems or solve puzzles. And so like you saying like, Like it's frustrating when something doesn't work, but then there's this whole almost like adventure of like, how am I going to figure out how to fix this problem? Yes. Uh, And kind of the same thing sort of happens with like figuring out optimal workflows. And that's something people with ADHD love to do too. Like, how can I create a system that's going to make the, and maybe I'll spend way more time on the system than the time (laughs) it actually saves me. Yeah. But there's something about that that's so like fun and thrilling of just like, how can I how can I build this like perfect little like box that solves the puzzle for me uh-huh. uh, going forward? And yeah, it's just so much fun. <laughs> oh man, I, I agree. I agree. And um, the, I mean, with the specific work that I do, one of the shows that I, I do every week is called iOS Today. And on that show, my co-host Rosemary Orchard and I talk about apps um, and sort of different features and services that exist. But getting to try out new apps and more importantly, find the ones that work well for me, um, it is, is one of the benefits that I get out of, that I personally get out of that show. And so 
uh, do uh, an app that I use as my, it, it bugs me and t- keeps telling me, hey, mm-hmm. you need to do this thing until I get the it done. D-U-E. Right, yeah, that D-U-E. One? Yes. yes. Love that app. <laughs> uh, I, I would not be where I am today without do because <laughs> that app keeps me on track. Um, I think my next sort of uh, tackling is trying to uh, remind myself about the watch that's on my wrist when it comes to needing to remember something. Because right now, and I'm sure everybody out there or many people out there can identify with this, you'll have something that you were supposed to do and you didn't do. And so you in the moment go, oh, I need to remember to do that next time. But you forget to remember that you need to remember to do that next time. And so you don't ever write it down or something. And I can just think to yesterday when I I was, I remember that I was in the uh, bathroom standing at the sink and I had this, uh, I remembered something and I go, oh, that's something I need to do. And then I said, but I will remember it. So I don't really need to. (laughs) I, but I tell you right now, I don't remember what that thing was. So apparently I won't remember it. And yeah. in that moment, what I wish I would have done was spoken into my watch because I didn't have right. my phone with me. I wish I would have spoken to my watch. And so I'm trying, that is the next thing that I'm integrating into my workflow is being more mindful of this on my wrist and then remembering that I'm using it so that I check, because uh, I use an app called Just Press Record, that I check that Just Press Record app and find those things uh, because that's where I go. I I, I want to ask you a question, yeah. uh, flipping the script here, and then I'll answer <laughs> afterward. What do you use to, uh, as a sort of read it later or link gathering service, uh, assuming that you, you know, you find stuff online that you don't read at that moment? Yeah. So it's kind of a mess. Um, <laughs> so in the past I've used, like I've used Instapaper. I used mm-hmm. pocket for a long time until I eventually just was like, I never read anything that I put into this app. Literally I, I nothing. Put, yeah, yeah. I put hundreds of things into Pocket <laughs> and I've never read any of them. Yep. Um, so a lot of the time, like honestly, right now what it is, is just like open tabs in Safari. I have like 480. I don't know if you know, but the max you can have on mobile Safari on an iPhone is 500 tabs. It won't oh. let you create anymore. And I, I can, I'm real close to it right now. <laughs> So, and sometimes I, similarly, I use in Safari, I have, there's like the re, uh, I forget what it's called, but there's like a oh, reading, oh, reading list. list. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I'll use that. But similarly, I, I just have, I, I have so much optimism for like future Jesse that he's going to just have this time to like sit down on the cu- yes. couch with a cup of coffee and just read for hours and catch up on all these links. It's going to um, be feeling but, like doing that too. Yes. I, yeah. I and, too. and then it just that, that scenario never, never <laughs> happens. <laughs> oh, I'm glad I'm not alone in that. Um, I will be honest with you. Even though I am a techie person who knows about at least 15 different apps that are out there that could do this, I send text messages to myself. <laughs> I have an iMessage chat with me. And it's funny because the iPhone, iOS does seems to not be keen on this. And so anytime I'm in a situation where I need to, especially on the Mac, um, if you try to share on your Mac with the share sheet, uh, if you type in your name, uh, it almost always suggests my email instead of my phone number. And Mm. so that's annoying because uh, if I had started a transcript previously with just my email, then it'll send to that instead of my actual transcript that has all Mm. of my stuff in it. So I have to physically type in my phone number 
in order for it to recognize that's where I want to send it. But yeah, I just, and I just scroll back and I love uh, spotlight search for on my iPhone, on my Mac. And so I can easily find those things. But yeah, if there's something that I need to remember that is a link or is an image or a, a document, almost always it ends up there. And then secondarily, <laughs> I do have um, a service called Keep It. And um, I used Keep It for quite a while, but then I fell back into the habit of just texting myself again. <laughs> so it's, it works for me. So yeah, yeah, sometimes the simple solutions like that, where it's just like just the raw native app in the most basic form, like yeah. sometimes that's really the way to do it. Um, cool. So we're we're kind of leaning into shiny objects territory anyway. So why don't we go ahead and jump into that? So other than the ones you've uh, mentioned already, like what what's a shiny object? What's something that you've been digging lately with some sort of recommendation? Yeah. So uh, as a person with ADHD, I love to be able to immerse myself in something, but still be able to get other things done. Uh, I'm a huge knitter and crocheter. I love to uh, make my hands do those things, but then also do dishes and, and do a bunch of other things. Wait, you and like to do the dishes? If, if <laughs> I'm listening to my shiny object, which ah. is, uh, I have uh, Audible and I'm a huge audiobook listener. And I'm currently listening through um, a series called Mother of Learning. And Mother of Learning came from... Um, a it's kind of one of those online places where writers will just write and write and write and write and write and uh they there's a, a service um or a publishing company called podium and they pick up a lot of these fantasy books because they end up being quite good uh so then they make their way onto audible and mm -hmm. um mother of learning is this story and i'll, I'll quickly uh summarize kind of the, the basic basis of it um is the story of a young wizard um or mage i guess he's called in this book who ends up getting stuck in a time loop and has to keep reliving out about a month of life and uh what how to get out of that time loop and why the time loop has happened and all of that kind of stuff and so this is a really fun book that has lots of different uh, characters in it. But I listen to so many audiobooks. I have <laughs> a huge audiobook library because I just mm -hmm. eat through that while I'm doing other things. And like that is how I don't mind doing dishes is because my the part of my brain that would otherwise be going, oh, why are we doing this? I'm so bored, gets to not be bored. So yeah, that's uh, my favorite shiny object. I guess it's... um a ringing object since it's more of a sound <laughs> than a sight. <laughs> I, fi I find that for me, I always have to listen to audio if I want to do anything mm -hmm. <laughs> like doing the dishes, taking out the trash, any, any sort of chores sort of stuff. And uh, because of that, I also have the like, if I want to listen to a podcast and I don't have like a chore to do, then I'll do just like Sudoku on my phone or like something that's kind of mindless yeah. so that I'm doing something while I'm getting to listen to it, whether it's audiobooks or podcasts. And it's almost like, I'm sure it's not, it's not a one-to-one uh, comparison, but kind of like before when you were talking about the brain scan, where it's like one part activated and one part not, it's like there's two parts of my yes. brain where one part of my brain wants, you know, need, wants to listen to this thing, but I need more. I need more than just listening, like sitting and listening. I need to be doing something yeah. else. And so like finding, getting kind of that double connection allows me to do dishes. And so I, a lot of the time I will, if I need to do the dishes or I need to take out the trash, my first step, like my, my, my task initiation is starting the podcast that I like, I can only listen to this favorite podcast of mine or this favorite audiobook when I'm doing a chore. Nice. And so that's like kind of the initiation 
uh, that seems to work for me. Um, yeah, so I'm actually, you mentioned like the spotlight search. So uh -huh. for my shiny object, I'm gonna say uh, Raycast is a new app that I've been using and I love it. So it's very similar to the spotlight search that's like built in on a Macintosh. Um, and a Macintosh, I'm using really ancient language here for some <laughs> I reason. I wasn't gonna say anything. I was gonna let that roll by, but you called yourself out. So that's fine. Yeah, yeah. Like <laughs> I said, I'm kind of an old, an old hat in the tech days. Uh, yeah, so I used to use Alfred a lot, which is like a replacement for that spotlight search. And I loved Alfred. I've used it for like 10 years, but recently Raycast, it just sort of, it's very similar to Alfred, but it kind of lets you do a few extra things really easily. So like creating shortcuts for things that I do a lot. It's just very user intuitive and I've been a big fan. So it's very, very nerdy app. But if you're into like, if you've used Alfred before or, you know, way back in the day, there was Quicksilver and other apps like that. Uh, highly recommend checking out Raycast. And I believe it's, I believe it's totally free. Yeah, There's like a team like plan free. thing, but if you're just using it, solo it's free and it's fantastic uh highly recommend it oh um, man yeah. you're like now the third person who's told me now i'm gonna have to try it but <laughs> i just so i've i've tried alfred in the past and i just so love spotlight that it, it you mm. know it's always done what it needs to but uh i got i still again it's a new shiny i gotta try it yeah so yeah <laughs> you've convinced me does it what what uh mac do you use well i actually uh what i was gonna do for my shiny object i just got I, I I splurged and went for the big one. So I just got the 16 inch uh, MacBook Pro and I got I got it like decked out. So I have the M1 Max and I have 64 gigs of RAM. And that's my new like video editing machine that oh, I'm yeah. very, very excited about. So yeah, that's that's my I, I had I had the original M1, the the smaller like 13 inch, mm -hmm. and I ha I got it with eight gigs of RAM, and oof, that did oof. not work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was like, my goal was that it was just going to be kind of a writing machine anyway, and even with that, like the eight gigs just did not hold up. So I'm very happy with, uh, yeah, my new uh, 16 inch Mac. It's good. Nice. <laughs> All right. I was curious if Raycast worked well on uh, Apple Silicon. So sounds like it does. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. It's good to go. Cool. Cool. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here, Micah. This has been uh, this has been amazing. I love it. Yeah. Thank you for having me. It's uh, fun to get to talk more directly about ADHD and be <laughs> nerdy at the same time. This is great. Absolutely. That's our show. Thank you so much for listening. I especially want to thank our VIP patrons, Sharice Carlson, Dan Ott, Jessica Cherry DePaul, Luce Carter, Richard Stevens, and Todd Barnett. Your support helps me do this show and the other work I do, so thank you so much. If you want to support the show, you can go to patreon.com slash jessej. That's J-E-S-S-E-J. And you can always support the show for free by leaving a review in Apple Podcasts or the podcast player of your choice. Full show notes and transcripts are available at ADHDnerds.com.